Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hey, Steve. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's good. I like everything that I see behind you there. Yeah. Do I need to adjust this at all? No, it looks good. My buddy bought me one of those MJ... uh, He he, he listens to the show, and he bought me one of those MJ bowling things. Oh, off of eBay? Yeah. Did you get it? I did. It's uh, pretty impressive. No, yeah, it's behind me. Yeah. Oh, I cannot see you. <laughs> awesome. No, It'd yeah, nobody, nobody can see me. There's a reason for that. Um, Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I I missed the end of the game. What's uh, what was the score? Twenty-three-three was the final. That's, that was the final. Okay. <laughs> not, not the prettiest. Of events, they did. They did. They had to run Christian McCaffrey seventy-two times, but they got it done. <laughs> Jesus, felt yeah, bad. Well, felt bad for the guy. Cam was. Uh, I was reading Twitter. It, it seemed like Cam was like, like kind of rushed into starting. Huh? That was part of it. Yeah, but I thought he settled down second half. Yeah, though. he totally did. He totally yeah. did. I thought. I mean, that's what happens when you don't play more than a series for. You know, preseason. So, so you're yeah. saying Twitter? So you're saying Twitter was 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 less than positive about? At least in the okay. first half, yeah. <laughs> Twitter. I'm kidding. I'm not. Well, it, did, no, it, it was super rusty. <laughs> it gives you, yeah, the full spectrum of uh, human emotions. Especially, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm really concerned, like genuinely concerned uh, that he's like more interested in fashion now than football. Like, <laughs> his look is so curated, even like on the sideline. He, he looks like yeah. it's kind of crazy. He had the, he you know- the pretty muted cleats on today. Oh, did he? I didn't see the shoes, but I, I just kept noticing like, you know, the Ninja Turtles headband coming out of the back yeah. of, the, of the helmet. <laughs> and then yeah. the little, you know, the, the frosted tips of the goatee. I thought that I thought that would be a one season thing. Last year he had the Cobra Kai uh yeah. headband, you know, the yeah. black one. And this oh, year he right, went right. white. He's gotta get the karate kid, um, the with the you know, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I love headbands, so I'm all for it. Dude, I mean that would look great with that with that hair you got going on there. Well is it that he likes headbands because it doesn't affect his hair in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it, it keeps it there, you know, it separates. I yeah, just I, took it off. I, I just I he, wears, he, wears, he wears one to bed. It's like a it's especially made for his head to get his hair to look like that. You are locked on Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports here on Locked On Hornets. We're excited to be back on our uh, five-day-a-week schedule. 
We are truly uh, your team every day here for the season, getting kicked off uh, with essentially our season preview show, which will be all about Hornets superlatives. You might remember those from from your high school yearbook, uh, most uh, most uh, likely to succeed, most likely to improve, and we've got uh, a lot of those coming up. Uh, plus, we've got a fantasy minute to help you get ready for your fantasy drafts, talking all about Kimball Walker with Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a great panel of experts uh, from New York City. Steve Bob Forrest. Steve, what's going on? Oh, hey, yeah, just up here in New York. That's about it. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> from Raleigh, Nick Denning. Nick, what's going on? Same, same thing. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> uh, David in his Cam Newton jersey celebrating the Panthers' victory 23-3 to over the San Francisco 49ers. Dave, what's going on? 1-0. I'm, uh, I'm looking at my phone looking for updates. This is what they do in you know, NFL they update game shows. They just <laughs> oh, I see. They I know. They update. They update. And uh, uh, also, you know what I'm talking about. I, we totally know what you're talking about. Also, totally. from, also from Charlotte, Claire James, Claire, what's going on? Hello, hello. And uh, did I forget anyone? Who else? We no. That's it. We've got a full panel though. Full show here tonight. I'm excited. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on Overcast. It's a great app for your iPhone for listening to podcasts. Good discovery app as well. And while you're there, if you would, give us a star for each of these episodes. It helps us climb the rankings and helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find uh, this podcast. Plus, this episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. With SeatGeek, you save time, you save money. Use our promo code LONBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Okay, before we jump into these superlatives, though, have to talk about some of the news out of uh, Clifford, Steve Clifford's meeting with the media late last week. Uh, he told the media on Friday that a knee procedure uh, could keep newly acquired backup point guard Michael Carter-Williams from being ready for the season opener. Now, Michael Carter-Williams, one of the marquee free agent signings for the Charlotte Hornets this offseason. Uh, according to reports, Michael Carter-Williams had platelet-rich plasma treatments done on both of his knees. So I guess the first question, we'll kick this to David. How worried should fans be about a hit to the point guard depth already uh, this season? Yeah, not great. But, I mean, the reality is they want Kimball Walker to play a lot of minutes anyway. Um, I mean, I think that was the plan. Ideally, you'd see MCW coming in there subbing here and there. It's not great that he's obviously the number two uh, going into camp or, or was to be. Uh, maybe this means you get an early look at Malik Monk. I don't know. I mean, now you've, you've just limited to um, to Julian Stone there. So, not ideal. Um, that's kind of the risk they ran when they when they went with Stone as opposed to a, another veteran in there. Um, but not overly worried um, just yet. I mean, they should be able to get by with a lot of Kemba and maybe you mix in, man, I don't know. I mean, maybe some Stone, maybe some uh, maybe some Nick at the point. Uh, figure something out. But if it, if it lingers on, I mean, that, that's, that, that, that is an issue. Yeah, Nick, is there reason you think for long-term concern about this Michael Carter-Williams uh, procedure done to both knees? Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's kind of had some concerns dating back to last season um, and the season before, just kind of various injuries. Um, but it sounds like this is something that's done just to kind of – it's meant to relieve pain. Um, I mean, it's act like it's just kind of it's, – it's good that he's getting it done now. Um, I guess maybe he could have gotten it done even sooner. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I think we won't know just how much this is going to affect everything until we kind of see where the other guards that would, you know, conceivably play for him, um, see where they're at. You know, is Malik ready to play points? How, you know, what is Julian Stone's whole thing? You know, how ready is he for the league? So, you know, it'll be interesting. And Claire, how do you think this is going to affect Malik Monk's development? There was already a little bit of talk about Malik Monk uh, playing a little bit at the one position, getting some chance to show off his point guard skills. Uh, do you think that this could uh, accelerate that development? Oh, it's definitely going to have to accelerate it. Just, I mean, out of necessity, because, you know, it's a pretty far leap to go from Kemba to Julian Stone, who played last season in Italy. So, um, and I think that Malik Monk is is someone who is talented enough where, and, and savvy enough that he would be able to at least come in and, and, help Kemba out here and there. I agree with what David said is that, you know, Kemba was always going to play a ton of minutes this season. Um, but I think it also just puts additional pressure on Kemba to stay healthy throughout the year. And it's really going to test the, uh, the issues that Kemba's had as well. Yeah, point guard depth certainly will be a continuing story this offseason, especially if Michael Carter-Williams, one of those injuries he had was that uh, same hip injury that is uh, putting Isaiah Thomas's career into question. So it's not just knees. It's been a variety of things for Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, we will certainly keep an eye on it. The Hornets open the season on October 18th against the Pistons in Detroit. We'll have more on Kimball Walker later in the show, going to do a little fantasy minute Uh, Plus, we've got some superlatives coming up. But first, let's talk about SeedGeek. I have the SeedGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to the uh, concerts, the movies, the theater that I want to go to. I actually just use them to buy tickets to Paramore coming up tomorrow night at uh, Ovens Auditorium. So I'm going to go check them out. Got some great seats at a great price. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Everything's color-coded. It's easy. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with the utmost confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And here's the best part, a little bonus for our listeners. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you do. Download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code L-O-N-B-A, that's L-O-N-B-A, in your in your SeatGeek app, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. It's that easy. Okay, time for our main segment of our return to daily shows. A bit of a season preview in the form of superlatives, those high school yearbook things that I know, you know, I didn't get one. I'm so this is sort of me living vicariously through this segment. I just, I did. I mean, I think I felt like I was. Uh, what's the word? I hate solid. That's that was my high school career. My high school career was solid. I, I made friends with a lot of people. Just didn't do anything that you know, stood out enough to get one of those coveted superlatives. But we've got plenty uh, to go over for this Hornets team. And let's start with this one: most likely to succeed. That's the one that we always hear about. Uh, most likely to succeed. We'll start with Claire. Claire, who is your most likely to succeed for this season? Well, mine is kind of voting on necessity, and that's Kemba. You know, we just talked about him. And, you know, especially with MCW being out and Julian Stone being the third, um, 
if we're in, well, Dave mentioned it earlier, if he doesn't succeed, then we're going to have to get pretty creative. Um, but I think that right now, uh, Kemba's probably my most likely to succeed simply because he has no choice. All right. Well, that's, that's succinct and very simple. David, who is your most likely to succeed? From an individual standpoint, I'm going with Dwight Howard. I think he is going to get his shots. I think he is going to get his uh, double-double, or at least he's going to get the opportunity to do that. I think he and Clifford um, you know, certainly have a bond, and he's here for a reason. I, I think Clifford is going to do everything in his power to make sure that Dwight is happy. And I think as we've discussed in this offseason, Dwight, a happy Dwight is, is a Dwight getting shots and getting looks. And I think uh, he's going to get his numbers. Um, if that equals out to team success, we, we shall see. Uh, historically, it has. But I think that double-double is in play again. He's had a double-double every year. Uh, he's been in the league. His teams have also been to the playoffs every year. He's been in the league. So I think Dwight is, is due for a bounce-back year. Yeah, I think I think you're right there, David. I think he's going to get a maybe not more or less of an opportunity than he got in Atlanta, but I think he's going to get a slightly different opportunity in terms of the role that he's playing uh, under head coach Steve Clifford. So it'll be interesting to see how much he improves uh, from his year in Atlanta, which again, double-double was good. All right, Steve, you're up most likely to succeed. We've had a vote for Kemba and a vote for Dwight. What say you? Make it two for Kemba! I got Kemba as well, uh, and I'll go a little bit different than Claire, though, although I do believe you're right in the sense that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be him still. He's got a little bit more help this year, but the thing that's made him great, like the thing that helped him make the leap, uh, getting the keys to the team, you know, Al Jefferson moving out, he's still the only offensive threat, like ostensibly in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, Dwight's a lot older now, and – Thankfully, he's. It seems that the narrative is that he's somewhat given up on demanding the ball in the post. Let's hope that's true. But he, I, I do think he's going to really help Kemba um, with his pick and rolls. Uh, Kemba, I think I, I read that recently. He was like fourth or fifth uh, in the league and most efficient uh, pick and roll play. So, and that, and that was a lot of those games, obviously, without Cody. So him having either Cody or Dwight at all times up there is going to be great. That's going to open up the floor for uh, Marvin and Frank too to to space it. And uh, I, I just think he's going to have have another mini leap in him, if not uh, a significant one. It's his seventh season. He's still pretty young, and that's you know a, a thing with a lot of point guards uh, in the last you know ten fifteen years. It seems like uh, guys like Lowry. Uh, Steph, Steph's best season was the seventh season. And uh, I feel like, you know, last year was his first one really taking taking over completely in that role. And so now he's going to have more weapons and, uh, and a little bit more uh, confidence with it. So uh, I'm looking at him for that. All right, Nick, most likely to succeed. I'm going to stick with Kemba. Um, yeah. But I'm just going to, you know, if you were to actually make like if you like if he was asked like if you know I'm, i'd be surprised if he didn't win this in high school because think about what he's done since like you know he's been an amateur to now you know he's won a national championship at uconn had one of the most like probably the most memorable individual runs i can at least remember in recent times at uconn in that NCAA tournament um and since he's entered the league i mean things kind of started off slow for him you know that happens when you play for the bobcats um but Recently, he's obviously exploded, and I just think it's it's kind of a no-brainer. 
Well, I'm going to go a little bit off of the beaten path, although it seems like Kemba is the consensus. And for me, I mean, that that seems reasonable, right? I mean, he's made two significant jumps, I think, statistically in, in his career. And uh, you've got people challenging him now uh, to make an All-NBA team, an All-NBA third team, or maybe even an All-NBA second team. Uh, that would be a pretty significant uh, third straight year of, of significant leaps for Kemba Walker if he wanted to do that. Um but I'm going to go a little bit off the path and say Malik Monk for this reason. I think you could, I think you could see a Kimball Walker slight regression. I think he's still going to be the go-to offensive player, but there are some questions about how much more can he raise his shooting efficiency and can he really be a guy like John Wall who averages 20-plus points and 10 assists. I don't know the answer to that, but so far it's been no. So I think you could either see a... Uh, basically staying the same or regression from Kemba Walker next season with Dwight Howard, all kinds of questions, not only about his durability, but also his you know ability to uh, essentially take on uh, maybe a slightly reduced role in terms of minutes. I think when he's on the court, he'll be a significant factor, but can he split time? Will there be some issues with that? That's yet to be seen. So I'm going to go Malik Monk because I think he's going to get a big opportunity in his rookie season, especially if Michael Carter-Williams does miss time. And I think he's going, even if Michael Carter-Williams doesn't miss significant time, I think you're going to see Malik Monk get a shot because this second unit that he's going to be joining is going to desperately need scoring and, and the, the variety of scoring that he has shown that he is very good at, and that's outside shooting. So I think he's going to get a lot of attention, uh, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity to succeed, and that's why so, he is my most likely. Okay, so Doug, quick question though. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about most likely in terms of like expectations for him, or do you think most likely is who's going to be the best player overall? Because like I was thinking when I was talking about most likely to succeed, I was thinking that he – you know, with Kemba, Kemba's going to be the best player. What? I think Kemba's going to be the best player. Oh, I don't know. I what? Well, yeah. Oh, hot take. Yeah. Well, okay. Then we're then it, what? It's okay. <laughs> Put it on the board. Uh, bulletin board material for the other locked on. No, I. I <laughs> no, I listen. Obviously, I think Kemba Walker is going to be the best player for the Hornets next season. No, I'm saying most likely to succeed, most likely to exceed his expectations. I think it would be Malik Monk. I'm just taking a different interpretation. This happens all the time with David and I when we do these kind of you know segments comparing yeah. like players to to Star Wars characters. I always take a slightly different interpretation, so that's fine. Ever this is yeah. you know this well, is. That's a, that's why I had to ask. That's good. Got to put it back a little bit. No, I, I appreciate it. So uh, let's go to most likely to improve. I think this one, this one, pretty clear cut. Most likely to improve. Claire, who do you have? Actually, I think I probably took it in a different direction than what y'all are going to be expecting. Too, okay. I'm most likely to improve would be Nick, um, Nick Batum. So I think that last year, and even though the stats don't really back me up on this, because I mean, overall, Points last year versus career overall, 15.1 last year, career overall, 12.1. But, of course, we know that earlier in his career, he wasn't getting the same shot opportunities that he was getting with the Hornets, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, And then his three-point percentage only dipped a little bit from 2015 to 16 to 2016 to 17. So he didn't necessarily regress a whole lot in terms of stats, but I think that overall last year, I just didn't see that really, like, gunner mentality that I feel like he had – 
the previous year. So one of the reasons why I say for him is if we're going to make the inside out work with Dwight, like we kind of did with um, Al Jefferson when we first got him, Nick's going to have to, I think, have a more aggressive attitude uh, with getting a shot. And also, which, I mean, Dwight will help out with that because he's going to be drawing defenses into him and freeing up the outside positions to get their shots. But um, I think that Nick has to be a little bit more aggressive in finding and taking his shot than he has in previous years. Well, we're Early actually time. we're actually going to agree on this, Claire. I, nice. I, I think Nick Batum also my most likely to improve. And I think he's focused on his NBA career in a way that he's – never been before he eschewed uh, an international play to stay in the states and work on his game that was a very difficult decision for Nick Batum who said that people in France can essentially can uh, essentially view you as a traitor if you don't play for the national team but he wanted desperately to stay in Charlotte focus on himself his NBA game and uh, the team uh, being a better Charlotte Hornet uh, and, and as you said, I'll touch a little bit on what you said there, Claire. His overall production in 16-17 was similar to his first year in Charlotte, but his offensive efficiency was down relative to the high usage he's receiving. Uh, and you compare that to his time in Portland when he when he didn't get that high usage, yet he was efficient. So he hasn't really solved that formula yet. And he said uh, in his exit interview that sometimes he focused too much on being an all-around player. And so I think some of the improvements you're going to see from Nick Batum is when uh, Kemba is having an off night or maybe when Dwight Howard's not feeling it, Nick Batum really taking it upon himself to win a basketball game. And I think if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, that's going to be very exciting uh, to watch. And, you know, I I think... It's okay if his scoring averages are similar to his to his averages in Portland if he were a third and fourth option, but I think he's still going to be a second, maybe third option if if Dwight has a renaissance and if he were making a lot less money. But I think when you're making that near max contract money, you you do have to to raise that scoring average somewhat uh, to to um, basically justify uh, what's been going on. So we'll see if if those if those happen. All right, Nick. Most improved player for you? Uh, I'm going Malik Monk. Uh, I just think when you're when you're a rookie, um, you're not going to be very good at first. I mean, like even if you put up good no- numbers, there's this you know most rookies aren't efficient. They aren't a net positive at first. So I think the just just most likely to improve, you're going to see Monk go from probably a net negative player to hopefully more of a you know a positive. Even if he's scoring decent number of points per game. Um, you know, you're going to see a certain progression um, over the course of the season. Um, so that's my that's my take. Did- I'm going with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, I don't know that you, you got me. I do. I think you may need to move a little closer to the 56k modem. <laughs> coming, you're coming a little bit in and out. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He may have lost us. You got me now. Uh, well, we can hear you perfectly. Can we I most can likely you. to improve David's connection? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting an upgrade tomorrow. Hey! Um, I'm going with Michael K. Gilchrist. Let me know if you cannot hear me, but... Um... You're coming in. You're, well, you're coming in loud and clear. Okay. Um, I don't know that you'll be able to recognize it uh, in the stat sheet because I think he was injured a lot last year. But if mm-hmm. you go back and look at, at the offensive rating for this team before last year, it was actually better with him on the floor the, the previous two years. Now, one of those, he only played seven games, so it's not a big sample size. But I think he was a bit banged up still last year, maybe not 
confident in that um, shoulder getting back to, to 100%. And I think he's ready for another big year. As far as just helping the team and doing the little things, again, that's been his strength. Not exactly showing up in the scorebook, but being able to uh, to affect the game in other ways. So I think he's going to be uh, better defensively individually. I think he slipped a little bit last year, and I think they're looking for him to do that. So I think um, Michael Kidd-Gokers is going to be uh, an improvement last over last year. All right, a vote for MKG. Steve, what say you? Most likely to improve Charlotte Hornets, guys. I cheated. <laughs> I'm going whole team because oh, I wow. think they – they addressed, you know, a lot of the holes they had last year. They had to. They had to address those holes. There's, I mean, they added scoring uh, in in a way they could. I think I think Bacon's going to contribute some points. Really, I think he's going to take land, a lot of Lamb's minutes um, it, by halfway through the season. And uh, I'm excited about their second unit scoring with with Frank and uh, Monk and Bacon there. Um, you know, Dwight brings the rebounding that we've really never had. I mean. There's, I think there's been two seasons where I think there was a Jefferson year and maybe a Anthony Mason and probably a, a Zoe year where somebody averaged over 10 rebounds. Uh, Dwight's never dipped below like 12, I think. And uh, and last year was his was his best you know field goal shooting percentage. Uh, so the, none of those guys like on their own. Like I love Malik Monk. I couldn't be any high. I think he's the best player in the NBA, maybe ever uh, already. So <laughs> I don't know if I could if he could improve upon that. Yeah, I mean it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> what we've seen from him so far, but uh, no. But I, I do think you know he's he's going to be great. I, I think, but you know individually, none of those guys are going to make a huge you know Kemba size impact on their own. But I think together in the way that. You know, Cliff is known to coach and, and bring guys along and get the most out of people playing their roles. And, uh, I think the team's going to really elevate. And I could honestly see these guys getting into the third seed. Uh, I mean, that's their ceiling to me, but I, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised, uh, we, hopefully. You know, we've heard a lot from Malik Monk in terms of his desire to win Rookie of the Year. And that shows that level of confidence that he has uh, that even Coach Clifford has already brought up uh, that that could benefit him as he attacks his first season in the NBA. Uh, but what would it take? I mean, what what kind of role would he have to have with the Charlotte Hornets? Is it even possible for him to get the run that he would need uh, to win a Rookie of the Year award? It, se- it seems unlikely to me, like just – Again, the Cliff thing and given his history with rookies, although, you know, we've never really seen him get a guy like this. And it, again, addresses the the exact need that they have, uh, or sorry, the, that they have the most need for, which is scoring. So, um, you know, it could be like that that Panthers year where uh, where Ron Rivera turned into Riverboat Ron. And just, you know, <laughs> remember before that, the guy was like really conservative, wouldn't go for things. And then all of a sudden he's just like, letting them sling the ball around out there and go for it on fourth. So, I mean, well, the maybe... nickname came first with him because the nickname was kind of sarcastic because he was so conservative. And all of a sudden he was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm what, doing really? It. I didn't, I thought that came from them. I thought they went, well, no, I'm turn this into a Panthers <laughs> thing. But, but I, I think, you well, know, he, he Malik's play... got all he's got to do is score. I mean, that... yeah. That's yeah, that's it. Here comes down to his numbers and scoring. I mean, that's how that's how MCW won it, uh, and it wasn't particularly efficient. Um, so all Malik's got to do is put up 
points when he gets in there is, is the opportunities and, and can he yeah, do but, it. I mean, but so in, the numbers are there. Yeah, but MCW, I think, averaged 35 minutes a game, and I don't think that yeah. there's any right. realistic expectation that Michael that uh, that Malik Monk will be able to do but that. I think Malik's a lot better shooter scorer than, than MCW, but your point is valid. No, I, I think th- that's what I'm saying. I think in order there would have to be something unfortunate that happened and, and it would, and to to that yeah. shooting guard position, and or maybe to the small forward position, and then you have, th- and it would have to happen. I would think later in the year, where you where you could, or maybe you know a, a month or two in, where you could elevate him comfortably uh, into the lineup. But there, there's all kinds of difficult issues with that. I think uh, that he'll play. I think he'll play even if he plays fantastically from the second unit. It's going to be hard to top some of the other rookies that are like you know you know your Lonzo Balls and your uh, even well, Donovan. Ball, I think, yeah, yeah, well, and you got Simmons is is in there running too because he didn't play last year. Right, exactly. Yeah. So there's going to be, but it's good to see that he has confidence. Uh, how about how about most dramatic? Oh, the, this pause, this pause we get going on. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so dramatic. We'll say Nick. We'll throw it to Nick. Nick, most dramatic. I was torn on this one. Um, you know, I think honestly, probably Dwight. If we're talking both off on the court and off the court, I mean, Dwight's going to have a couple nights where you know he gets on the highlights for something other than a, you know, his play. You know, he always he tends to do something on the sideline or on the court, right? Um, but got in a shoving, almost got in a little bit of a tiff uh, with uh, Dennis Schroeder last year in Atlanta. Right. And, it, and if this does go south, which, I mean, I know we're being all positive about it, but, like, we have to acknowledge that this could go horribly wrong because it kind of has everywhere else he's been. Um, to be fair, Miles Plumley, the guy they traded for Dwight Howard, has already had his off-the-court issues getting dinged for uh, marijuana already in Atlanta. I mean, look, I know getting traded to Atlanta is, was a, is tough, but I don't know if you needed to escape it already. Well, clearly the, this would have, the drama would have been following the Hornets no matter who we had. Um, no, I mean, like, if this goes bad, there's going to be some comments off the court. You know, he's going to make some, you know, comment about how he needs to have the ball more, whatever it is, and, you know, Cliff's going to make some offhand comment, and then it's just, it's just, you know, it's going to go terribly. But you know, so that that style was my reasoning. But I, I do think, uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, I think that's almost a guarantee. Like honestly, there's nobody, nobody. That's that's this is the Dwight Howard superlative. That's what the name of this yeah. could be for the league. Then that's the thing. You know, the narrative around him. Like people are already looking to make that story for him. Because yeah. he's in a new place this year, and they're going to be like, oh, see, it went wrong again for him." They're going to be, yeah, they're good. That's a great point. I mean, they're going to be looking for it, and and I'll mention something that Dwight Howard himself said in his introductory press conference that he's if he gets a certain criticism, like he's not going to be quiet about it. He's he said a mistake <laughs> that he's made in the past was was being too quiet about uh, you know taking some of these criticisms and and really not. Uh, saying anything back about them, so that's a that's another something to watch for. I think uh, down the line, uh, Claire, who's your anyone have anyone different other than Dwight Howard, or if or if anyone wants to jump in there with something else about Dwight Howard? No, I mean, I, and I had Dwight as well. I did kind of go back and forth between him and Monk, though, um, just because Monk does have a little bit of flash in the pan as far as his game goes. So um, you know, as far as coming off the bench and. It would, it would be nice to have someone with, like, a little bit of – I don't want to say swagger, but, I mean, at least a little bit of 
a, a jump in their step when they come off the bench, you know, because I feel like last year, I mean, Jeremy Lamb, Marco Bellinelli, you know, those guys come in the game and they would just kind of like run the plays and they would do what, what was asked of them, which is what you want. But, you know, it, it was never something like super flashy. So I'd like to see that. But ultimately I did go with Dwight Howard, mostly because of that boxing video. You know, <laughs> sure. Like yeah. taking yeah. all those hits. <laughs> uh, look, he, I mean, yeah, he's going to get the, the SB nation uh, video drops, the bleacher report video yeah. drops. He's certainly yeah. going to be in terms of uh, just being out there. He will be, uh, garnering the most attention, uh, even more so than than Kimball Walker, who I think we have all said is going to be the best player on the court, off the court. Dwight Howard is definitely going to. You know, I was I was driving back from vacation uh, today, and uh, you, you get these sort of random thoughts while you're driving, and I thought, you know, I really haven't settled down enough to think about like Dwight Howard in a Hornets uniform. It's going to be weird. Like yeah. we've, we've, we're sort of digging into it analytically and trying to figure out, oh, what does it mean for the transition defense and and how many <laughs> possessions is he going to get? But then I was just sitting there, I'm like, there, he's going to be wearing teal and purple, and that's I think it's going to be if you haven't already thought about it, you're gonna you're going to go to that first preseason game that or or you you will go to the the open practice that they're going to have on September 30th, see him in the uniform and go, this is this is kind of weird. And I thought the same thing about Jeremy Lin as well when he first joined us. I was thinking, like, yeah. it's weird seeing Jeremy Lin in, in the Hornets uniform. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, I think, Claire, you mentioned something that the, the additions to this team, Monk and Howard, and also Bacon, I think. I mean, Bacon has a, a level of confidence that rivals Monk, I believe. I mean, in that introductory press conference for those two guys, they were both talking as if they were going to be the go-to scorer this team i mean in a good way right like they were just um positive about it so he, he might be my dark horse for uh, most dramatic i don't know if he'll get enough minutes and i don't think he's going to be like a dramatic issue off the bench but i think this team you know we've talked about it forever like there hasn't really been an alpha dog i mean it's kimba's team but it even took like a year and a half a couple years for it to be defined as such and even when uh big al was here like there wasn't a big huge personality on this team and dwight is certainly that I mean, this is going to be an interesting year to watch that. It's going to be a different mix of guys in there. And so I think it's going to be fun if you're a Hornets fan. I mean, I'm excited to see Dwight Howard in there. This guy's a legit or was a legit superstar. I mean, he was doing commercials with LeBron James, uh, you know, four or five years ago. The Hornets have not had a guy of that magnitude that kind of sucks up all the energy in the room or all the oxygen in the room. Um since they've been back. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And if he performs on the court, it could be really fun, but obviously the most dramatic you have to, you have to look at Dwight. I mean, there's no, there's no one else you can look at uh, right now before the season starts. It's, it's followed him throughout his career for better, or for worse. And, but I will say, Doug, I mean, in Atlanta last year played pretty well, you know, there wasn't a lot of hubbub, right. There wasn't a lot of um, disruption. I mean, I didn't see it. I mean, I didn't follow the, follow the Hawks super close, but it wasn't like he was the reason um, that things didn't go well. And they still made the playoffs, right? Yeah, I think yeah. winning is going to help a lot of things. There were different, and as I mentioned, you know, he got into the little tiff with uh, Dennis Schroeder that was publicized, but 
I think, you know, part of it is he wasn't in L.A., he wasn't in Houston, he wasn't in, you know, these big markets that a lot of people pay attention to. Uh, Atlanta gets sort of some of the the, the kind of benefit of the doubt that Charlotte, that's that's true, that's true. I I don't know really what's going on there. And we had Brad (laughs) Rowland from Locked on Hawks, and he covers the team every night, and he really didn't know what was going on there either. Uh, Great prank. If they pulled that off, great prank. You know, yeah, that, that super prestigious best teammate award that everyone's <laughs> familiar with. Every team just got one. I think that, that seems like the the Tony Allen deal. Where people are just like, wouldn't it be funny if we wrote in? Yeah, here? <laughs> there's probably a little element of chaos in there. I did take a slightly different spin on this because I figured a lot of people would go with the off the court with with Dwight Howard. So I, I went with the most dramatic guy on the court. And I think that's going to be Kimba Walker in uh, 2015-16. He finished seventh in clutch points, and uh, but his efficiency was an issue. He shot 26.7% from three in those moments defined as clutch, uh, which is five minutes left in the fourth quarter or overtime uh, with the margin at five or less. Uh, and in 16-17, He finished sixth in clutch points and raised his three-point percentage to 34%. His effective field goal percentage in that time went up from 40 to 48.6, and uh, he shot 48% from the field in the last minute of games. That was good for second among the top 10 in clutch points. So Kimba Walker still counted on uh, for, and I, I don't think he had as many, like, Sports Center game-winning moments last season, but his numbers in the final four minutes, final five minutes of a basketball game, just went to another level, and he was already on another level, you know, just overall. And so, uh, I think he is going to continue to be the go-to player at the end of the game uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. All right, uh, now we're going to open the floor here to some superlatives that uh, the panel has come up with. And if you have your own out there, if you're listening right now and you have a superlative, make sure to tweet it to us at Locked On Hornets or email it to us, buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com, and we'll read it uh, tomorrow. Uh, but anyone anyone have a superlative to throw out here? Yes. All right, I heard David. I heard David go. Um, Let's get him before his connection drops out. (laughs) Look, guys, I have a limited resources for limited bandwidth. Um, We know. Yeah, (laughs) I paid five dollars for it. Going out, (laughs) Cody. Cody is uh, my most likely to become your NBA nerd friend's favorite player this year. Uh, The hoop type article is a good one if you've read that. Go check that out. I think if you're a Hornets fan, you know how important Cody is to this team, just 3-17 and 17 without him in the lineup last year. I think they would have made the playoffs had he played uh, those 20 games. Not that they would have won all of them, but I think he's going to be still effective in a more limited role off the bench. Um, I don't know that his minutes are going to drop that much, but I think his, um, his ability to impact the game and play with that second unit is going to turn some heads that may – uh, have not uh, you know seen him before, but I think he's going to be popular among the guys that like to dig deep into the advanced stats and look at uh, and look at things from a different angle. So Cody Zeller, your NBA nerd's favorite player of the year. Yeah, the Hornets and Coach Clifford are both really excited about the prospects of having Cody Zeller in that second unit and running those those effective pick and rolls on offense. You know, at the beginning of a fourth quarter, to re- because one of the problems that the Hornets had last season was holding on to fourth quarter leads, and I think they feel like both defensively and offensively. 
Cody Zeller is going to help them do that over the options that they had last season. All right, I think I heard Nick. Nick, do you have a superlative to throw out? Yeah, so um, I went with uh, biggest flirt. And what I mean by flirt <laughs> yeah, is that they uh, they they flirt with like, you know, how good they can be, but it just it's never they never follow through, right? It's just, oh, like just flirting, right? So um, Jeremy Lamb, because we've had two seasons of it, of, you know, you see there'll, there'll be nights where he'll have, you know, 15, 17 points. He had that stretch his first season in Charlotte where he was really, really efficient shooting the ball. Um, and we've just been waiting for him to become like the team's sixth man and it just hasn't happened so um i'm gonna you know i know there's been discussions this summer about he's had a great off season you know he's added strength right he's added strength you know the people are are talking him up um but until you know unless he proves me wrong i, I still think he's a bit of a flirt show me bama that's what you're saying i'm with you on that i actually i had a different one for i had a different superlative for jeremy lamb but similar to yours. You had a different flair. Yeah. <laughs> so my, I, you know, but it's similar. It's uh, most likely to actually just be three pillows stuffed into a Hornets jersey wearing some sunglasses. <laughs> I, I'm not sure Jeremy Lamb is here anymore. I think it's just a, he's pulling a Ferris Bueller's, you the know. The weekend at Bernie's door. Right, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he looks real sleepy all the time. I'm concerned about that. He seems like he's been in the league for like 100 years. But he's only 23. I saw that the other day. It shocked me. I thought he was like 27. Wow. He, he was on that, you know, UConn championship team with Kemba, which I totally forgot about until uh, I saw like a highlight the other day. And uh, it's just like, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. If it's not happening on the Hornets, you know, it didn't happen with the Thunder, obviously. It, he yeah. just might be one of those guys that, you know, he's – Maybe he's Kemba's James Jones. Maybe that's the deal here. Like yeah. he just he makes Kemba better just by being. He's Kemba's favorite player yeah. ever. Well, he's he's one of this set of players that had a really good post All Star break run for the Hornets, including Marvin Williams and Frank Kaminsky. And you're right, people are talking up uh, Jeremy Lamb. They're going to be talking up Frank Kaminsky as well. And I think. Uh, one of the big indicators uh, to who's going to be getting more playing time as the season goes on is really how they how they come out of the gate, how they treated this offseason. I think this is one of the biggest offseasons in this franchise's history since returning to Charlotte. And, and I think Steve Clifford is going to want to, because it's not just Lamb, it's not just Kaminsky, it's guys like Batum and Marvin Williams who wants to continue uh, his second-half success and, uh, of course, Dwight Howard as well. So, uh, you know, uh, there, there, are going, there are going to be a lot of guys that have to put up or shut up in the first couple of months of this season. And we've talked, uh, when we talked about the schedule, uh, the schedule is is a little bit difficult in the first couple of months. So they're going to need big performances out of guys early on in the season. Well, can I stay on this for a second? Let me ask you guys, like, whose minutes is he going to get? Because I feel like, if he was, if he hasn't gotten there yet, like at some point you gotta. Now he's got more competition, right? You know, he's got Monk and Bacon. Those two guys are gonna need their run. They're gonna be scoring, yeah. and I feel like I, I just don't see how he's gonna. I mean, to me, it would have to be a, a pretty significant leap. I know that second half run you're talking about. He he does like that's the thing with him. He shows up some games. He looks great, and then he just kind of disappears. It's like. If you can't do that consistently on on basically like a seven man rotation, 
I think right. I, I think it, it's going to either he's bulking up, so I think he's maybe making a little bit of a play for some backup three. But also watch out for this: if Nick Batum were to go down with an injury and have to miss a week or two, I would expect Jeremy Lamb to get the starting spot there and to just to keep Malik Monk. Uh, because you, you'd have a tough time playing Malik next to Kemba, and you want him coming off the bench, splashing threes. So I think that's where his opportunities are going to come, unless somebody disagrees with me. So, no, and I was going to say, I mean, I think that like it's going to be Jeremy Lamb's minutes until someone else goes yeah. from him, because I think Malik Monk is going to take basically mm. um, the, the shooter spot, and so you know, and, and Jeremy Lamb is going to essentially be. MKG's backup, at least for the time being. And the way Steve Clifford tends to operate is if you're new to the team, unless, you know, unless you are like a Dwight Howard or something, you're, you have really have to prove that you deserve to take someone else's spot. Right. Um, or well, someone else kind of really has to mess up. So I think that really he, he's going to be taking his minutes. It's more yeah. whether or not Bacon, I think, would move into his spot. I guess I'm at like, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. That like he's going to, that's how Clifford operates. But I, I feel like, Thinking back, I guess he was he was getting those minutes last year. And it's just like he I think it's on him to really just he's gotta yeah. be put he's gotta be filling it up when he's in there. Like last yeah. year, I feel like he just disappears too much. And yeah. with that added pressure of those guys, I think that's gonna be tough. Yeah, Malik Mon's gonna take Bellinelli's yeah, I think he's, he would play with Bellinelli a lot last year. Yeah. Right. I think he's got him there as minutes here. He's been here, he knows the system, but I don't think it's gonna take a ton to wrestle it away from him. I mean, I think if right. there's a newcomer that proves they can do it and be consistent, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they've had Lamb in the system before. There's been this talk of that he's going to prove it again this year. And, uh, you know, like like Steve said, like, you know, when are we going to see it? When are we going to see that consistency? That's what Clifford and everyone talks about all the time. It's about consistency. And if we haven't seen it thus far, is it going to happen? So if they got newcomers coming in, you know, people are gunning for that spot. I mean, it's, it's, it's there for the taking. It's his, uh, I think, going into training camp. But could he lose it? Sure. Yeah. I did have a different superlative. I actually had a couple superlatives. One was different for Lamb, though. I don't know if we're off this topic. Kick him. No. Shoot him out. Steve, you said he looked sleepy earlier, which is like <laughs> – when he's on the court, yes, but if you look at him on the sidelines and on the bench, like he's very excited. Oh, he's like sneaky funny. Anyway, oh, um, shout out to shout out to Hornets gifts, Kurt. Exactly. Yeah, Kevin Kurt's gonna have plenty always, of lamb yeah. gifts. Yeah, no, Kurt's got a couple already too. So, yeah. um, and then also my second one was most likely to be your boss. Um, so meaning who could potentially be a coach sometime down the future, um, or in the future. And I said Marvin for that one. Yeah, um, I don't think it's out of their own possibilities that Marvin could be a. a really valuable scouting or assistant coach um, once he's done with the league. Because uh, he seems as though he, um, he, I mean, especially last year, he's really stepped up on his defense last year. And that was because I think he just became smarter with the game. Like he was always smart, but I think he became smarter with the game and, and smarter with the scouting of the other teams too. Um, and besides that, he also has a really good demeanor for a coach. He's, he's excited when he needs to be. And he's also more importantly, probably calm when he needs to be. Yeah, he has, but he has those moments where he's very passionate about what's going on, and he's certainly not afraid to voice his opinion. So I agree. I think of all of the players uh, on this roster right now, he would he would be the certainly the most likely uh, candidate for a future 
assistant coaching role if that's what he wants. You know, some of these players uh, don't uh, have any interest in being a coach, so it's all about uh, what they want for sure. Okay, uh, we got to move on. We've got to talk about fantasy basketball. What did anyone have? Anyone that must? Or if that's if I can throw it out real quick, throw it out there, Nick. Um, who would be who would be the most likely to star in a like Lavar Ball like reality show? And I said the obvious choice here was Frank Kaminsky. I mean, you could just take everything he's done. This what season. would it be called? That's a good question. Does anyone have a on the, the fly Frank answer? Files. Frank, Frank Files. <laughs> Frank Files. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So I mean, you just like what has he been? You know, throwing footballs the length of the field and on yachts with just like you know dozens of women and. You know, I think he could hashtag dozens of women. Dozens of women. Um, That's the name. I would watch that. I think you know he's he's that goofy guy that that you know would would be painful, but you know I'd watch it still. We love Frank here. That's everyone. Uh, That right. I got I got one quick one for you, Doug. All right. Throw it. Most likely, Eric Collins' victim. Dwayne Bacon. You know, oh, he's, you know, as soon as we drafted Bacon, EC has been he's, up, he's been in the gym writing 4,000 puns a night. They're going to be terrible. He's going to say I'm way too excited. I, I'm really pumped for like him just this losing This might be the year that Stephanie slaps him on, on air. Yeah, he's going to just he's gonna be like, Bacon, lettuce, tomato, that's a sandwich. You know, he's going to say something ridiculous. I, sizzling, sizzling. There's a scene with, uh, with our yeah, friend EC – He's got. He's bought like six brands of bacon, and he's just he sets them on a table and he just stares at them for for three hours and and gets all the Great inspiration. Storms. Yeah, it's it's a love, it's a bacon storm. Oh yeah, of yeah. course, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Okay, uh, now it's time for a weekly check in on the world of fantasy basketball, and uh, this was requested by one of our biggest hardcore Hornets fans, F and Nick. And uh, for helping us put it together, we're going to let Nick get in a little effing trash talk to his fantasy basketball league. So here it goes. Uh, This is from Nick. You would think that when my little brother is the commissioner of our league, he would be able to manipulate the rules to try and prevent me from winning three of the last four regular season and playoff titles. But in actuality, my five-month-old daughter, Effin Nora, could manage a team better than he can. That's a sick That's burn. That's just rude. There you go, Effin Nick with the trash talk. All right, we're also going to get some help in this segment from Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. Josh gave us a uh, breakdown of where you should be drafting Kimball Walker in your fantasy leagues this year. Take a listen. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Just here to talk to you a little bit about uh, the Charlotte Hornets star point guard, Kemba Walker, and what we should be expecting for him in fantasy drafts and fantasy leagues for this season. Kemba was uh, last season the 27th ranked player in eight category fantasy leagues, and I don't expect much to change really from him. Yes, he did have another off-season knee surgery, but that's not bothering me too much. What is a little bit of a concern is the fact that the Kemba did put up a career high in field goal percentage last season at 44%, but then over the, the second half of the season, we saw that drop off a little bit. So I see him maybe maybe sliding just a little bit in his efficiency numbers this year, but he is a strong, solid target in the back end of a second round, and probably more ideally at the start of a third round in a standard 12-team league draft. So around that Around that 25 to to 30 zone, I think is the right time to draft him in a head-to-head league. If you're talking about a rotisserie league, it's a little bit different because if that field goal percentage drops really any lower than 43%, 
it puts a big dent in that field goal percentage category. And in a rotisserie league, you know, having huge dints in one category is really tough to come back from. You need to pair him with other guys who are high field goal percentage. So if you've got like a Carl Anthony Towns and Kemba Walker, I think that works pretty well. And that's able to balance that out and put you in a strong position in field goal percentage. That's that's the main worry I have with Kemba. Obviously, he's not a high assist guy. So you do need to pair some other uh, point guards or, or centers like a Nikola Jokic with those high assist numbers. But Getting those high points totals, which Kemba's going to give you, the high three-pointers, you know, decent to average steal numbers, high free throw numbers, makes him a strong second and third round target, with probably just sliding him back a little bit in rotisserie leagues because of that concern that we do have about the field goal percentage and the volume of shots that he takes. On a, If it's a lower percentage than what we had last year, it does get a little bit tougher to recover from. But Really hard to see Kemba sliding anywhere outside the top 35 in drafts, and you should feel pretty confident about grabbing him anywhere between that 25 to 30 range. So listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast every day, hosted by our friend Josh Lloyd right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search Locked On Fantasy wherever you get your podcast and win your fantasy league like Evan Nick does every single year. So thanks, big thanks to Josh Lloyd for lending us uh, some of that great fantasy insight. Uh, so I want to go to one thing that he mentioned there, that Kimball Walker has never really been known as a high assist guy. Do you guys think that Kimball Walker needs to focus on racking up more assists if he wants to be a top 20 fantasy threat and in the in the real world, if he wants to be that all all pro, that all NBA team threat, does he have to raise his assist game? I don't think he really cares about being a top twenty fantasy threat. However, <laughs> I will say though, fans do people people that want to people that that have fantasy leagues want him to be that. Sure, and if he has a fantasy league, he probably wants to be top twenty as well. I don't know. I don't. But however, I will say though, I think this year it might come naturally that he will be getting more assists. Um, because a lot was just a lot of the scoring was basically thrown on his back last year. So um, with the help of Dwight Howard, with the help hopefully of an improved Nick Batum, um, he I think those assists will come naturally. So does he necessarily need to make it a focus? I don't know, but I do think that it it will happen somewhat organically. Uh, I would, yeah, I think I think his assists could raise it just a, slightly if. Um just with like pick and roll situations with Dwight, um, you know, especially if he, if he actually looks for Dwight in those situations, but I think really he just should continue to focus on being an even more efficient scorer. I mean, what was the question heading into the last season? Could he build off of, you know, that, that breakout year two seasons ago he did. And now we're sitting here thinking, well, maybe this is all he can do, but I actually do think he, you know, he could continue developing his efficiency, maybe his shooting numbers go up or points per game go up, you know, slightly more, maybe they stay around the same, but, you know, just let him be who he is. I mean, he's in his seventh year now. Um, I think he shouldn't necessarily worry so much on, on, you know, providing direct assists more so as just being the team's best score, best playmaker um, and letting, you know, maybe Batum and others, um, you know, get assists to some of those bigs like Dwight. Yeah, Nick, I think you make a great point. He's always been the kind of player that goes out there and just plays the game, plays within the flow of the game. He doesn't necessarily focus on uh, individual statistics or trying to manipulate those statistics in in a way that maybe like a Russell Westbrook type player would do. Um, But I did look into this. So 
he averaged a career-high 6.1 assists in 2013-14. That was the Bobcats' playoff year. That was when Al Jefferson was an All-NBA uh, uh, third-team member. That's the last time he had someone who he averaged two assists per game to, and that was Al Jefferson, even though in terms of past distributions, uh, Al Jefferson ranked a third on the team to Josh McRoberts and Gerald Henderson. Now, he basically had three players that season that he averaged one or more assists to, and that was Hendo, McRoberts, and then Jefferson with the two assists per game. Last season, he averaged over one assist per game to both Nick Batum and Marvin Williams, but the starting center, Cody Zeller, didn't have that kind, that same kind of relationship that he had with uh, Al Jefferson. So I'm thinking if Dwight Howard becomes a post threat and a pick-and-roll threat, and even if Walker can average just an assist per game to Howard and have three players on the team that he's averaging one or more assists to per game, I think he could get back to six, and that would put him – I think if he could get his numbers, raise his scoring average just a little bit, maybe raise his three-point average just a tick, and average 25-6-4, and four, I think 25-6-4 and four would have been good enough to at least make an argument of Kimba Walker over a DeMar DeRozan who made the All-NBA third team or a Jimmy Butler who made the All-NBA third team. Now, Butler's a little tougher because certainly the voters were factoring in factoring in his defensive prowess. Um, but if Kimba Walker can improve his scoring plus uh, his assists just raised naturally by having a player like Dwight Howard uh, who who he can work off of a little bit better than Cody Zeller, then I think uh, he could possibly get up into that all-NBA third discussion. Yeah, and I know that you brought up uh, you know Gerald Henderson and Josh McRoberts, um, but I think there's no one else on the team that will have the relationship that like with Dwight, Dwight Howard that Josh and Al had because Josh, I mean, he was, he was the unique player in that he was basically a second point guard, a really tall point guard on the court um, where, I mean, there were certain times when he was bringing up the ball and he was running the offense. So um, I just don't see that. Yeah, and they have that. They have that now somewhat. Yeah, they have that now somewhat with Nick Batum, and and I don't think yeah. you're not going to be seeing Kimba Walker get a lot of post entry action with Dwight Howard because, uh, and you didn't really see that a ton with with uh, Al Jefferson either, just because of Kimba Walker's size. He's just not a post entry pass point guard. That's going to come from Marvin Williams. That's going to come from Nick Batum. But I, I think that again, if 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 he and Dwight can have a relationship where you've got one or more assists per game, uh, then you've got three guys. So you've already you already have what three and a half, four assists taken care of, and then if you can pick up an assist and a half spread out between guys like Malik Monk, uh, Cody Zeller in the second unit, and others, and Jeremy Lamb, who he has a good relationship with, then all of a sudden I think you could be talking about him getting into six or even seven. But that's really, I mean, he could. When you talk about improvements that Kimball Walker can make, I think he's pretty maxed out defensively. I think you have to look at assists and you have to look at three-point efficiency, which, you know, he was at 39. Could he get that to 41, 42? Then all of a sudden, I think you go from Kimball Walker as a borderline all-star to Kimball Walker as a borderline all-NBA third-team candidate. And I think that that extra assist that you're mentioning can come pretty easily per game, for at least for Kemba, um, on like a drive and dish to either drive and dish to Dwight, drive and dish to 
um, Nick or Marvin even, um, who's kind of hanging along the baseline or even on the perimeter. Um, and then that way, you know, especially if Dwight's going to be drawing some people, he's going to be drawing some people, then he's going to have a lot of other outlets uh, or outlet passes and potential assists there. So I get what you're saying. I just think that um, it, it's, it's just going to be a different scenario than it was with Al Jefferson, his first year here. I, I'm not sure that that makes Kemba a better player, to be honest with you. Like him raising his assists, I think with him, it's like he, you just need him to get enough to keep the other team honest. You know, he just his his strength is is he's the offense. You know, he's the creator. He's still the only creator in the in the starting five. So, mm-hmm. what, like you said, you're you, you're going to want those other guys making making the entry passes. I'd much rather have. You know, Batum is a great passer. I'm not sure I have him, you know, making an entry pass while Kemba's running around. And, you know, I mean, how many times was he getting double teamed last year? And it's just that he's, he's the threat. You know, you need him as a decoy as much as you need him as a, as a creator. So the facilitating role of it is like, to me, that it's uh, maybe the most effective in, in the open court, and, you know, in the fast break. Uh, but otherwise, if, if they're just running the half court offense, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them at five or six assists, you know, that's just enough to uh, to keep the other t- the defense honest. Yeah, I think there's still room in his game to become more of a creator. I don't think it's necessarily necessary for him to get a second all-star bid to for him to raise his assist, but I, I think there are moments at the end of games when uh, the defense focuses on him uh, because he is such a stellar offensive player and he does demand so much attention once he gets by his first defender and gets inside, that there are moments uh, when he has a chance to create for others that he can explore. Uh, Again, I, I don't think that he's going to make it necessarily a focus. I think he's going to play within the flow of the game. But I think those opportunities will present themselves. And if he ha- and what I'm saying is that if he has a weapon like Dwight Howard, if they do decide to go with Dwight Howard at the end of ball games, if he does have a weapon like him to distribute to, you know, I think that he can get those numbers up. And uh, so I, that's what I'm saying, though. Like when you look at the guys uh, that made the All NBA third team last season. You know, the, 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 it's not even a contest with Kemba Walker's numbers last season. Like th- those guys deserve to be on the All NBA Pro, All All NBA Third Team. And if Kemba wants to get there, then that's that's what's going to have to happen. Or or if the team just wins a time, or he two. averages thirty points a game, which I don't see happening with Dwight Howard on the team. But yeah. I mean, it's also a lot easier to get recognition when you do get the wins too. Right? right. Yeah. It's like the yeah. well, anyways. You got it. That's true. All right, we're going to be talking about Kemba Walker tomorrow for our first player preview. We will be play, oh, previewing uh, Charlotte Hornets players all September, so you want to make sure you're subscribed to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Make sure uh, you are subscribed to us. Just search Locked on Hornets. And so we're going to start with Kemba tomorrow. And uh, that's it for us for this edition. I hope you enjoyed Superlatives, our season preview. Thanks so much for listening to us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Thanks to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Use that promo code LONBA to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. We're back again uh, all week because we are back to our daily schedule. For David and Steve and Claire and Nick and Captain Kurt, the whole crew here at Locked On Hornets, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. 
Let's Swarm Charlotte.